we like to hear things that makes us happy. But the word of God does not always make us happy. God wants you to be happy, but above that, he wants you to be holy. Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. talk about the fight of your life, and I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Um, it's really, really uh, amazing to be able to serve the people of God from the mouth of God. Thank you, Lord, that you, you breathe out scriptures out of your mouth, and that it's your word that helps saves us and changes us and and causes us to be like Jesus. Father, grant unto me your son and your slave's supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel. Give me utterance. I thank you that I'm your son and your slave. I thank you that you make my tongue of a pen of a ready writer. I thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, you and I together are a dynamic duo, and together will change the world. And I thank you that I yield myself to you. Do whatever you desire. I'm your servant. I'm your son. I ask that you'll flow through me. Pray this prayer. Lift up your hands half mass. Say, Father, Father grant unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of my understanding may be enlightened that I may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of your inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power towards me who believes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. All right, we're going to dive right into this, Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing this letter to his son in the faith. And um, Timothy, this is one of his last last letters before he departs this life. So as we look at this last chapter, I want you to hear the words that will empower you to fight and win. These words are food for us as we contend for the faith and finish this life. So let's dive into chapter four, verses one through eight. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded and endure suffering and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, for I'm, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, 
not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearance or his appearing. Amen. To the re reading of the word of God, we can go home now. <laughs> um, let's look at verse one. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living in the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. This, this is a charge. As we think about a charge, we think about a, 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 a declared um, decree. It's a serious thing. It's, it isn't a light thing. He says, he's charging Timothy in the presence of God the Father and the Son. Christ, you know that Christ will judge the dead and the living. So I got a question for you. What does that look like? As we think about Christ judging the dead and the living, um, of course, Father God is going to be judging as well. Many don't think about the judgments, plural, of the Lord. The believer will be judged whether or not he or she fulfilled the will of God. The sinners will be judged based on their sins, for their sins, and whether they have received Christ or not. The Bible speaks of at least seven different judgments. Everybody say seven. seven. Seven different judgments, and they fall under four different categories. Let me mention the seven judgments, and then also I'm going to mention the four categories. If you have your Bibles, go to Revelations 20, verse 12. Revelations chapter 20, verse 12. I, I think about probably eternity a lot. I think about death. I think about life after death. I think about beyond this life. A whole lot. Revelations chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books, everybody say books, were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the, dead were, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. That's, that's sobering. So there's books. Somebody. It's keeping a record of everything that you're doing. <laughs> you're not going to be able to get away with it. Oh, you maybe get away with it in this life. There is no injustice before the Lord. He sees everything. He sees the motives and he sees the heart. And the judgments of God are coming upon all humanity. Whether it comes at the whether you go to be with the Lord or, or not be with the Lord or the Jesus cracks the sky, there's judgment coming to the believer and to others. And here he says he saw a book. Books, the books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. All the things that you're doing, somebody is writing it down. Oh man, that's sobering. Makes you want to like, oh, I got to do, do right all the time. Right. And it goes on verse 13, in the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged. Each one of them, according to what? They had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
Now, uh, we're not going to teach about this right now, but there is, there's no such thing in the Bible that when people get saved, the names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You don't find that. Um, I, growing up, when they, people give altar calls, people would respond and say, come to Jesus. And they say, tonight, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But the Bible actually talks about that our names can be blotted out of the book of life. So that lets me know and lets us know that everybody's name is written in there. And that whether or not they receive Christ or not, by the end of their life, if their name is not, if you don't receive Christ, then your name is blotted out. So um, I, I, I do believe that we should think about these things and there should be much teachings about these things. And um, we're going to talk about these four categories. Um, the four ca- categories of judgment uh, that the sevens, the seven separate judgments are listed under is the judgment of the believer, then the judgment of the nations, then the judgment of the wicked dead, and then the judgment of Satan and the fallen angels. Those are the four categories. The judgment of the believer, the judgment of the nations, and the judgment of the wicked dead, and the judgment of Satan and the, and the fallen angels. The seven Seven judgments are this, the judgment of believers' sin in the cross of Christ. The judgment of the believers' sins in the cross of Christ. Number two, the judgment of believers' self-judgment. And we did some of that today. When we took communion, we were judging ourselves. The judgment of the believers' self-judgment. And then number three, the judgment of the believers' work. The judgment of believers work. Uh, I know we live in a time where there's a lot of teaching about grace versus works. But as Christians, we're supposed to work. We're supposed to do some work. The next one, the judgment of the nations at the return of Christ. The judgment of the nations at the return of Christ. The next one is the judgment of Israel at the return of Christ the judgment of Israel at the return of Christ, and then the judgment of the angels after the 1,000 years. And last but not least, the judgment of the wicked dead with which the history of the present earth ends. Judgment day, go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, Judgment is upon us. And so Paul is telling his son, I charge you, I, I, I declare to you solemnly, that in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead by his, his appearing in his kingdom, judgment day is upon us. We will um, eventually do some teaching about the judgments and the, the return of Christ, um, most likely on a Wednesday night. We'll probably do some of that there where we go into eschatology, the study of the last things. And how many know we need to do those things? We need to study those things. We need to know about those things. Um, Paul is telling Timothy that there will be judgments happening both among the dead and the living, and we need to keep this on upon our minds. We're not here. We're not just here in this state as we are for eternity. We're not going. The way that your life is now is not going to be for all eternity. Courtney used to say it all the time, we love this life too much and we think that we're going to stay here forever. 
we're comfortable. We, 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 we serve money and, and we, we say that cash is king, but Jesus is king, right? And, and we, we focus on now. We get comfortable in this life, in this skin, and under this um, dominion of sin, we, we, this fallen world. We're comfortable with it. And yet Paul is saying, listen, there's a judgment coming both to the living and the dead. There's eternity awaiting for all of us. We are one heartbeat away from eternity. Just like that, you can be gone just like that. It doesn't matter how young or how old. We, we, we can step into eternity before the end of the service. We can step into eternity before the end of the day, by the end of the, um, the year. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people who died during COVID. And, but guess what? People are dying. They die every day. So, so it should not take, a, take us by surprise that death is, is the norm for being in this world. You're going to die if Jesus doesn't crack the sky. And I want to encourage you to think about it as we talk about the fight of your life. You have a short amount of time. In one sense, time is our enemy. We don't have that very long. We don't have a very long on earth. I'm telling you, there is going to come a time that we're going to leave what we know. And we're going to slip out of this life like a person slips the gloves off their hand. It's going to be just that, like that. Let's think about this every day. Let's allow eternity to weigh on us. It's not something that we should play with. There's some things that we think about, and, and, and I believe in the fullness of the gospel, and I believe in the prosperity of the gospel, and I believe in, in, in the healing of the bodies, and the renewing of the mind, and the peace of the mind, but this is not it. This is a foretaste of what is to come. We only got a taste. The Bible talks about here and also not is not, not is, uh, the Bible talks about here and later. Now, laters, come on. You got that. <laughs> now, I just got the revelation like uh, a couple seconds ago. Not really. A while back, a couple years ago, that now later the candy was actually supposed to, you're supposed to eat some now and save some for later. I just, I didn't know that because <laughs> I would just eat it up for now. And I think that's how people live. They eat now. They live now as if it's not tomorrow. See, that went over really well. <laughs> Um, it is through the Lord's appearance in his kingdom that judgment will happen. Verse two, let's look at verse two. It says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Paul gives Timothy these special instructions in light of the Lord's return and judgments. He says, preach the word, preach the word. Um, the word preach simply means to proclaim. It doesn't mean hollowing really loud or speaking really loud. It just simply means proclaiming. You and I are called to preach the gospel. So it doesn't mean that you've got to get a microphone or a bullhorn and yell really loud. That's not necessarily preaching. That's just somebody being really loud. <laughs> um, preach means to proclaim. And the world needs the word of God. Christians need the word of God. Timothy isn't to preach his political views or his opinions, but the body of revelation that he's received from a child, including the Old Testament and the apostles' teachings, along with the master's teachings. He's not to turn the pulpit into a platform of his ideology. 
Timothy is to preach the word that is revealed through scriptures. This is his job. If he fails to do this, he will answer to God. And I'm here to tell you, every preacher, every pastor, every evangelist, every prophet, every apostle, every teacher will be judged based on what they taught. I, I, I know we like to hear things that, are, that makes us happy, but the word of God does not always make us happy. God wants you to be happy, but above that, he wants you to be holy. And only the word can make us holy. He uses the word to sanctify us, not your happiness. So if you never see happiness on this side of heaven, you know that you are holy before the Lord. Amen. So we got to be careful. Timothy is a pastor and he's to preach the word of God, which requires at least four things. The word of God is a, you have to, he has to preach it with readiness, confrontation, command, and with patience. Readiness, confrontation, command, and patience. Let's talk about this. Readiness, be ready in season and out of season. Seasons include good times and not so good times. (laughs) Um, Timothy must stick his finger to the wind of humans, the humanity's heart and discern what he should, he should not stick, I'm sorry, I misread that. He, he should not stick his finger to the winds of humans' opinions to discern what he should preach. People will like and dislike what he's preaching. What he's preaching might come with persecution or without it. He's to stick to the script like an actor sticks to the Script, right? Amen. He's to stick to the text like the actor sticks to the script of a movie or a play. He cannot deviate. It's not an ad lib where he adds to the text, but he's to preach the text. Paul told Timothy, I mean, church church at Colossae, he he says to preach him, preach Christ. And so this, this, this call, too many pastors and preachers are distracted by the current state of the world and preaches to accommodate their audience. In light of the return of Christ, they must stay to the course and preach the Bible. Amen. Amen. We, we cannot get distracted what's happening. I'm going to tell you, I know this goes against probably most of y'all, 99.9% of y'all, but I don't look at the news. I don't read the news. Uh, I just don't, I'm not interested. I I just think most of it is lies. (laughs) I just, I'm I'm not a conspiracy theory, so don't take that and run with it. But I just, I just don't believe them. I just don't believe them. And and, and I just, I got to stay my, I got to get the good news, not the current news, not the current news, but the good news, because this is going to give me perspective of what really is happening. They're saying things, and I'm like, no, no, that's not what the text says. I got to stick to the script. Stick to the script. People are, again, distracted. And so the second part of preaching the word is confrontation. Confrontation includes reprove and rebuke. To reprove something is to express disapproval to someone or something. To criticize. I mean, the word of God will criticize you. 
<laughs> I know we don't like to. I know I go to Planet Fitness because it's twenty four dollars ninety nine cents. I, I go to Planet Fitness. My my heart, my 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 heaven right now. My heaven of a dream is um, Lifetime. <laughs> that that's that's heaven. <laughs> oh, you got the pool. Uh, but right now, my finances are saying not not so not now. <laughs> Love said not so not now. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> and if I don't get lifetime later, I get into heaven. <laughs> I, I'll be swimming in a crystal lake. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got caught up. <laughs> um, and so um, it says in, in in Planet Fitness, they used to say no judgment zone, but now it says uh, no criticism. Or no, uh, something like this, something similar to that. I was like, whatever. <laughs> I'm judging that person. He can barely get up the elliptical. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really, because I'll be like the ones that they laughing at. <laughs> so um, we to express, to, to reprove means to express strong disapproval of someone's action. It's to correct, to seek to persuade someone to see and to turn from error. And that's what a lot of people don't like. They don't want you to say anything. They just want you to be quiet. So don't say nothing, because when you open your mouth and you say that's wrong, you are the voice of God and you're the conscience. You're their conscience. You says, hey, let, let me let you know you're wrong. Love you, but you're wrong. How many know that we need that type of preaching? We need preaching that will call us on the carpet, that tell us that we're wrong, that we need to turn from our sins and run to the Christ. The word rebuke means to reprimand, to a, a strong, strongly disapproval. It's like the same thing. It also means to strike, to express strong disapproval of someone, uh, and also a warning. So when we say rebuke the devil, we, we, we strike him in Jesus' name. We tell him you, you, it's illegal. That's illegal. That pain in my body is illegal to be there. Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain. It's illegal for me to have poverty in my life because he became poor that I may become rich. It is illegal for me to be depressed. He, be, he was oppressed so that I can open my mouth and say what the blood has done for me. Let the Redeemer of the Lord say so. So the same way the word of God rebukes us, it cuts us. Some people don't want to be cut. Um, I, I posted a quote from a good friend um, in North Carolina, and the quote was like, people will go to McDonald's, even though they make 101 different mistakes, they'll still come go back. In our case, we'll keep going to Chick-fil-A, even though they get the wrong, get it wrong, give us the wrong sauce. They do, <laughs> at least where I'm at. And where I'm at, they do. <laughs> if you go to Philly, they definitely do. <laughs> Philly, um, Philly. Chick-fil-A is um, what you want, not how may I serve you. <laughs> the one by Ikea. I put them on blast. Let me write them right quick. <laughs> so like, what you want? I was like, what, where, how may I serve you today? Uh, so um, people get things wrong, but yet we still go back. Amazon gets stuff wrong all the time. They'll, they'll deliver your package to somewhere else, take a picture of it. And you say, that's not my house. And yet we still order from them. So church messed up one time, bam, I'm out. <laughs> um, rebuke, reprove. Listen, you, you, you can't be comfortable. If you're comfortable in your sins, then you're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong church. It's not okay for you to be in your sins. You're not going to be up here fornicating and thinking, oh, this is good. I'm still going to make it in. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 that's the, the word of God corrects us. 
The word of God heals us and cuts us at the same time. It uproots and it plants. It, it, it brings death and it brings life. That's the word of God. And so Paul's telling Timothy, he says, listen, preach the word in season and out of season. Make sure you bring in some reproof. Make sure you bring in some rebuke. You bring in some conviction. Both of these terms referring to confronting error in doctrine or morals. Whenever and wherever necessary, this is the job of a pastor among the flock of God. A biblical desire to lead people from judgment into life. If I tell you what you want to hear, then you may not make it in. You have misinformation on Jesus if I'm not preaching the text. If I'm preaching the text, I'm preaching truth. And it may not always be comfortable. The next part is command. It's command. It's to exhort with urgency. When, when the word of God it goes forth, there's an urgency to it. When you preach the gospel and share the good news to people, it should come with urgency. Repent today. Turn from your sins and embrace the Jesus of the Bible. Turn from your wicked ways and repent and cry out to God for his mercy. There needs to be that type of preaching. And this morning, I was praying in my study. I was walking, and I was thinking about something, and and a young lady came up in my um, my um, Instagram that we've known since she was little, um, young, I should say, teenager. And I was just praying for her. And, and, and it's like the Lord was speaking to me about the lack of real Holy Ghost preaching, uh, that, 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 that there's, there's a lack of power in the preaching. And I found myself praying, but let me preach. With, with true boldness and true word of God and let it be power. The type of power to transform lives that is not just good for the ears and emotional at the moment, but it transforms. And I'm just like, Lord, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? And, 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 and it's like, you know, I, there is a lack of power because there's no real preaching. I was walking back and forth and not saying, I got it. I got a corner of it. Absolutely not. I'm just saying in general what I heard. And I was praying. I said, God, how do we change lives? How do, how, how do this gospel that we believe that we have is the most important message on the world? How does it change the lives of people? How does it set somebody free from racism or homosexuality? How does it set people free from drugs How, and, and pride? This gospel that can transform the life. And what we think is if somebody is part of that lifestyle or came from that lifestyle, that's enough to transform. That's why you can talk to the word of God addresses whether when I was single, I was preaching marriage and I wasn't even married. The word of God is still powerful. So I don't have to necessarily be in it or part of it to testify because the common salvation is that we were lost and now we're found. And so it doesn't matter. You need to be, if you're married, you need to stay married. If you, you know what I'm saying? If you fornicate, you need to stop fornicating. It, the word of God, it doesn't mean that you, an ex-fornicator has to talk about fornication. And we have magnified and made ministries out of these things that were never called to be a ministry. I, I, I got to reserve some things for about a decade before I approach it. So let me stop. Uh, you said no? You said no? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, get, let me give you an example of this. We've made prayer ministry. 
It's not. It's, it's, it's like a fish breathing and water. That's what prayer is to the believer. It's not a, everybody is called to be, I'm a great intercessor. Everybody's an intercessor if you're a Christian. <laughs> Jesus has the ministry of intercession. And so we're all called to intercede. And we've made a ministry out of it. Um, let, me, let me talk about this real quick. And, and this, this will stop a lot of stuff, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, we made deliverance a ministry. There's no such thing as deliverance ministry. We've majored on uh, demons <laughs> and casting out demons as if that was the only thing that the Bible actually addresses. I believe in casting out devils, but let's do it according to the script. That's not part of the script. <laughs> we made, we, what's his name? And tonight, if you're free, about 9 o'clock, I'm going to be featured on a, a um, live on YouTube. And there's a thing called the marine, the marine spirit that people are talking about. And so the pastor called me the other day and she said, what do you think about it? I said, let me just stop you. It's foolishness. They said, people are saying that we, we got to deal with the demons that are on the sea. And I'm like, what in the world? The Bible says to stay away from foolishness. You know, d d demons from the pit. And I'm like, and the, the pig diving in and, and that, that pig years ago when Jesus cast out the devil and they got in the pig and, and, and it goes right into the water. So that those demons are underneath the water. So we got to address it. Foolishness. <laughs> Foolishness. And so people just do not stay with the script. And so let us stay with the text. Amen. And so Paul told Timothy to command, exhort with urgency, command someone to do something such as be born again. Jesus makes a demand. You must be born again. It's not even an option. He says you must. It's a command. It's some of the things that he commanded the world. You must be born again. <laughs> that, that's a command. Um, lecturing is information been explained, but preaching is commanding something to happen with the individual. Preaching is authoritative. It commands you to turn from sin and turn to Christ. Exhorting people what they should believe and, and doing so by commanding that the word of God. Amen. Speaking the word of God with commandments. And it says with patience and teaching. A true pastor, a true shepherd must, must not be harsh, but be very sensitive to the sheep. He must understand and be patient with them. He must commit to teaching them and hanging in there until they get it. He must bring confrontation, but in such a way that consoles and inspires instead of crushing or discouraging. He must not do it with anger. Listen, people have been beat up all week. They don't need to come to church and be beat up again. And so sometimes people are like, just get them, just get them, just get them. And yet, that's not what a pastor does. He rebukes, but he also loves. The word of God cuts and it also heals. Paul is describing the job or the job description of a pastor. Verse three, let's look at verse three. It says this. It says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have inching ears. They will accumulate from themselves teachers to suit their own passions, their own passions. I believe the time is now, not future. There are some who don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear something that will bring their conscience or make their conscience at ease. They want the teaching that will feed their flesh. 
Lord, this is a good prayer. Lord, deliver us from itching ears. Have you ever been around someone who wants to compliment all the time? They, they want to hear the praises. They receive one compliment, then it, it is not enough, so they got to hear some more. They need more. Their pride is never satisfied. And here the scripture tells us to endorse sound teaching, teaching that have stood the test of time. Listen, when the pastor, the woman of God called me yet last night, she says, listen, um, um, what do you know about this marine spirit? I said, listen, you can go back in church history, you'll not find it. So if it's not in church history, that's an indication that you shouldn't be teaching. Because if it's the Bible, it's throughout the whole history. It shouldn't be something new. People are talking about God is doing a new thing. DC talk. God is doing a new thing. And yet what they're confusing is that he already did the new thing with the new covenant with Jesus. So the new thing is not necessarily something we've never seen before. If it sounds strange to you and it's unfamiliar with you, it's be- you better be- stick with what you know. Because it's strange. We don't want strange fire, strange manifestations, stuff that causes you to do something like, wow, I've never seen God do that before. And here it says that they want a preacher who tells them what they want. They don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear lies. They want a preacher to tell them happy things, things that will make them feel good, things that will tickle their flesh. They want junk food, but not something that will produce life. They want to eat. I mean, like a lot of the cereals are is really junk food. Fruity Pebbles. I love Fruity Pebbles. Junk food has little to no nutritional value. It does not add to you. And so, so let's, let's eat something that's going to produce life, whether it's, it's, it's cauliflower or, or, or spinach or something that's going to produce life to us. Spiritually speaking, a lot of churches, or let me say not a lot, some churches are living off of junk food. They're happy at them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, this, this, and, and they don't want to hear the text. I remember going to a church, and, and I'm not going to name the church. And in this church, it, it, in this church, we, um, I, I can tell that they, they were eating junk. And I, and I was like, oh, Lord, what do you want me to do? I was like, I mean, it, and it was thousands of people, and I, I just like, I, I didn't know. And I was just like, I, I'm not going to perform. I'm not going to be fake. And, um, and, and the Lord just, you know, just do what you do. So I got up, and I preached, and it was like the people, they sat on me. They didn't move. They didn't say amen. They just, because they weren't used to it. And, and, but yet people got saved, people got filled, and people got healed. And I'm just so very grateful for that. But you'll be surprised how many people are just used to junk food. They, they don't even want what, what is true. Look at verse 4. Let's look at verse 4. Verse 4, it says, And we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. They, uh, Paul, they turn away from truth. They, they much rather have fiction than the truth. Things that aren't true. They want prophecies that will tell them of their great future. But no one will tell them the truth. They are choosing to believe fiction over truth. 
I, I, I do think that there's a legitimate gift of prophecy, and I believe in prophecy, but some of it is junk. It's, it's, they're, they're just tickling people's ears. Verse 5, let's go. It says this, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Let's take a look at this. Paul tells Timothy to always be sober-minded. In other words, don't be drunk with the seasons or with the culture, with, with people's itching ears. Be alert and have sound judgment. In other words, stay awake to righteousness. To be free from excess and passions and confusions. Stay awake or stay away from extreme teachings. Teachings that are extreme. I, I heard this from Dad Hagen. He says to stay in the middle of the road of truths. You have people who say, okay, God doesn't heal. So that's extreme on one side of the ditch. Then he says, well, if you don't have healing, you're not going to heaven. That's the other side of it. So he says, stay in the middle. Stay in the middle. Believe in prophecy, but some people build their churches on prophecy or build their lives on prophecy. Then other people reject prophecy. Stay in the middle of the road. If somebody gives you a prophetic word, it is only a word. It's only a little insight. We prophesy in part. So if somebody gives you a word, it is, it's not the whole picture. It's a word. I want the sentence. I want the paragraph. I want the chapter. I want the whole book. Amen. I don't need just a word. I can't live off of a word. I got to live off the book. Amen. So somebody says, thus says the Lord. And say, okay, thank you. Thank you for that. That's a part, but not the whole big picture. Amen. And it says we are to stay away from those things and be sober minded. We got to know what's going on. Use your mind. Don't just go into a service and just like whatever you want. No, uh you better pay attention. What's happening? What are they doing over there? What, why did they just say that? What just happened? What's going on in the service? We're not ignorant people. We are to be smart and use our brain. It says endure suffering, willingness, willingness to undergo humiliation or hurts. Paul told Timothy he must be willing and ready to be persecuted because of the word that he just that he's preaching and that he lives. He must do the work of an evangelist. Always. Always be ready to preach Christ and lead people to the Christ. Lead people to the Christ. The work of evangelist is the work of a pastor. Pastors must win people to Christ. Quiet in here. Pastors must win people to Christ. It is not limited to the office of an evangelist, but every believer is called to win people to Christ. Pastors should want to see sinners saved by the gospel. For pastors to say, I'm called to the saved. Then you shouldn't be a pastor. Because you're called to the gospel that saved goes after the saved and the unsaved. Do the work of an evangelist. I, I, I do believe that every Christian at the core of them is, 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 is the spirit of Jesus in them that wants to evangelize. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, we've, been received, we've received the message in the ministry of reconciliation. So your whole ministry is reconciliation. Being reconciled to God yourself and helping others to reconcile to God through Christ. And then he goes on and says, fulfill your ministry. In other words, complete the mandate, the call, the purpose that the Lord has on your life. 
be a pastor with an evangelistic work, teaching with patience. Every job that I've been on, except for one or two, I've led someone to Christ. Before the PD ever existed, I was leading people to Christ at almost every job. I, that is the call of God for every believer. Teaching with patience. Preach the word throughout all seasons that Timothy may be facing. Always sober-minded and willing to suffer as a Christian and as a pastor. Looking to Paul as an example. What kind of minister that Paul is, is. that's who Paul, Timothy should follow. Stand the course until the work is done. Fulfill your ministry. There's some people who are not going to fulfill their ministry, unfortunately. They have this great call and this, 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 this anointing, and yet they won't fulfill their ministry. Verse 6, almost finished. Hang in there. Um, verse 6 says this, For I am be, already been poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has, has come. Paul is ready to leave this life, to go on to glory. He's been poured out as an offering to the Lord. His blood will be poured out as a martyr, as a murder, martyr. His ministry draws to a close and fulfilling end. He is ready to hand the baton over to his son, Timothy. He says, my time is finished. I, I, I want you to finish what I've started, verse 7. It goes this. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I've kept the faith. Let's, let's look at this real quick. Why am I sweating? <laughs> I sweat everywhere. Everywhere I go. Um, Paul fought a good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. He has won the fight of his life. Will you win the fight of your life? He has overcome the oppositions and persecutions and the obstacles and the challenges. He has completed the race with joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, run with patience the race that is set before you. He ran his race. And guess what? He won. He did what the Lord called him to do. He didn't leave one stone unturned. He completed the call on his life. He fulfilled his purpose. Unfortunately, there are too many people who have done who won't do everything that God called them to do. Some have shipwrecked their faith and not completed the call of their life. They aborted the call of God on their life. They have died prematurely and did not complete the race. I, when I do funerals, I'm very careful about calling up and using this text that says they've completed their race. Everybody who has died has not completed their race. There are a lot of unfinished calls and unfinished ministries on people's lives. Do not be one of them. Do not be one of them. He kept the faith. He never turned the switch of faith off, but he stayed in a place of dependence upon the Lord. He wasn't moved by what he saw, felt, or was challenged with. He possessed the faith of God and kept it growing. What will your testimony be? Make a decision now that you're going to fulfill everything that God calls you to do. That your job is to accommodate your calling. Your, your, everything about your life, your house, your, your car, your, who you're married to. Now, if you got the wrong person, it's too late now. You're married to them. All right, so you got to stay with them. You, gotta put, you better put Al Green on. Let's stay together. 
<laughs> All right, you ain't going nowhere. It's too late. Oh, I should. I saw the Lord told me to. No, it's too late. I got a revelation. You're not the one. It's too late. That revelation is not from God. Now, if you're dating and you get the revelation, leave that joker. <laughs> but, but, but if you're married to him, you're in a covenant. Amen. Unless they step out, if they step out, you got a legal right, a Bible right to let them go. If they're abusive, let them go. You're not going to beat me upside my head. I'm going to stay here like, ah, whatever you want. You better run for your life. Amen. And, and even emotional abuse. Maybe I not need to divorce, but I need to separate because this is, it's, this is damaging my self-image. It's doing something to me. It's kind of worse than physical abuse. So I better leave. I better leave because you're not going to stop me from being who God made me to be. Amen. So don't verbalize and verbally abuse me because I'm God's workmanship. And you better not put your mouth on God's workmanship. I'm too valuable to God for to stay in this mess. And you cursing me and you're speaking death to me. Run for your life. Get some counseling. Get some help. But if you don't change, I'll leave. I, you're not going to call me out of my name. I'm not a, a female cow, dog, whatever. And I'm not a dog. Run for your life. Run, run, run. Verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But I love the fact he's not selfish, not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Uh, if I was writing this like, he, it's me. <laughs> I'm going to get your reward in mine. But I'm not Paul. <laughs> um, he's ready to receive his crown of righteousness because he loves the Lord's appearance. It is all who are ready for his return. You can't be ready if you have done what he's called you to do. He's ready because he's like, you know what? I love the return of the Lord. I love the very few things that Paul said he loved. He says, for those who love his appearing, I love his first appearing and I love his second appearance. I'm going to love it. This reward goes to all believers who persevere. This is a crown. This crown is a um, laurel wreath placed on the victor's head at the end of, a, of athletic competition. So here Paul is describing some type of award for competing and running the race. I'm going to tell you how to win the fight of your life. The first thing uh, is not necessarily in order. is you got to keep eternity on your mind. If you're going to fight your, the life, the fight of your life, you got to keep what's ahead of you after this life. You got to believe like the uh, old, I believe it's Kenton Spirituals, used to sing a song called, This is Just a Rehearsal. I'm living to live again. I went today to look for some songs to be played after the service about heaven. There's not a lot of songs being written about his, his return or, or afterlife. But there is an afterlife. There's eternity awaits for all of us. And I'm going to keep preaching that we are on the bridge. We are at, on the edge of eternity. Eternity is right before us. And you'll be glad that I said this. You're going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to judge you 
not if you're a believer based on your works. Number two, preach the gospel. Wherever you are, preach the gospel. Start with your kids. Start with your grandkids. Preach to your family members. Preach to the people on your job. And every opportunity the Lord gives you, you preach it. The word preach means to proclaim. It doesn't mean that you get a mic and you get the, uh, the karaoke and say, hey, <laughs> I know there is a God. <laughs> Sorry. You'll catch that while I'm way home. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> Number three, have an ear to hear truth. So you got itch and ears. I got ears to want to hear the truth. Don't tell me what you want, what you think I want to hear. Tell me the truth. Nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Tell me the truth. Lord, deliver me for lies. Deliver me from lies. You know, it's like snakes in the ears. Deliver me from lies. Who's been whispering in your ears? What you been reading? What you been looking at YouTube? What's in your ears? Deliver me. The serpents are speaking. There are many voices in the world, but you got to listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Give me ears to hear. Hurt my feelings. Disrupt my life. Call me where I don't want to go. Send me. Send me where you want me to go. Call me to be what you want me to be. Strip the titles. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. If you call me to be a doorkeeper, I'll be the best doorkeeper you've ever had. Oh, God, oh, God, give me ears to hear. Give me ears. If, if, you, if you're going to win the fight of your life, you got to have ears to hear. And it, it says repeatedly, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Do you really want to hear what the Spirit is saying? Can you really take what the Spirit is saying to you now? If the Spirit tells you to do something, are you willing to do it? Are, are, you, are you obedient? Do you not just hear, but you have, you hearken. You hearken, you obey, you hear to obey. I don't know about you, but I want to obey. I want to obey. Whatever he says, that's what I'm going to do. Because that's what miracles, the breakthroughs are. That's, that's, that's how I'm going to win this fight of life. It's if I obey what he says. I, I do what, whatever you say. I, I go and, and, and I apologize when I don't feel like apologizing. I, 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 I lay my life down and, 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 I, and I stop studying to hang out with my kids. Come on. I, I do what I got to do. I quit the job that, that's taking me away from my family to be more involved in my family. I, I, I downsize the house in order to, to, to protect my kids. I do what you say do. God, I go where you say go. I don't want to live in Trenton, but you call me there, I'll do it. Oh, God, I, 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 live, I live at the church. Come on. I do whatever he says do. That's, that's the type of heart if you're going to win the fight of your life. Number three, number four is to stay woke to the things of God. I know people talk about staying woke, race, race, racial things, but I'm saying stay woke to the things of God. Wake up to righteousness. The next one is fulfill your purpose. Well, in order to fulfill it, you got to know what it is. So what do you, what do you call to do? What, do? what are you called to do? Everybody's not called to the same thing, but what are you called to do? Are you called to be an encourager? Then master encouragement. If you're called to be a giver, master giving. If you're called to, to, to support ministry of helps, master the ministry of helps. 
If you if you call to just be that father and be that mother, be that wife, be that husband, master fatherhood, husband, wife, motherhood. Come on. Master what God has called you to do. Don't always think about the call of God something grand, but it's grand in God's eyes. Amen. You can be an anointed mother. Oh, God, be, be that mother that is anointed, and you just, you are shaping the lives of these kids, and, and you may be raising the, the next Billy Graham. Uh, you're raising the next John the Baptist or the next Ruth and Esther. Come on. You don't know what you're doing. Like, God is preparing you. So fulfill your purpose. The next one is run your race. Don't, don't try to run somebody else's race. Well, hey, that's, that's not my race. That's not my fight. I'm going to stay. And then last but not least, keep the faith. Keep the faith. In other words, keep believing God. Keep depending on God. Every eye closed. Every head bow. If you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I want to give my life to Jesus. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to, to avoid. You're not born again. I want, to give you, I want to give you this wonderful opportunity. If you're here and say, I want to give my life to Christ. Is there one? Or you say, I'm, I'm in a backslidden condition. I want to come back home. I want you to raise your hand. I'm in a backslidden condition. I'm not walking right, but I want to make it right with Christ. Is there one? You may raise your hands and give God praise for his word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200. That's 732-324-2200. Or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519 Grand Cocos. That's R-A-N-C-O-C-A-S, New Jersey 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email. The email address is partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by obedience to his word. Until next time, God bless you.